Good morning, church. Greetings, peace, and blessings in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's such an honor and a privilege for me to bring God's word to you this morning. I want to state first off the bat, I'm not to be confused with Pastor John. Although we look brown, and we are brown, we both hail from different mothers. We both find our roots in the state of Tamil Nadu, South India. My name, though, is Pawn Benjamin. This is my family. My wife and I just recently celebrated our 20 years anniversary. <laughs> Thank you. God has blessed us with three beautiful children, Karis, Eliana, and Alicia, and they are our treasures, and they are also our pride and joy. I just want to shout out to Eliana Benjamin for helping her technically incompetent dad do these slides. So thank you, Eliana. My hobbies are the gym, model HO trains, reading Louis L'Amour on my spare, try, spare time for those Western fans out there. I'm also a huge, bring up the next slide please, Star Wars fan, if you know anything about me. Okay, episodes three, four, five, and six are the bomb. And I despise Jar Jar Binks, okay? I despise him, okay? And if you ever want to co contact me, you can contact me at ponsolo at gmail.com. My life verse is Isaiah 41.10. It says, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you and uphold you with my righteous right hand. This verse has been my constant. This verse has been my anchor through times of great sorrow and great uh, victories. This verse is something that I cling on to. The next slide is completely purely for the glory of God. My wife says, Pon, how come 15 years of being a student, um, uh, you know, and, and God has given me the Associate of Arts and Biblical Studies, I have, my master, uh, I have my Bachelor of Science in Microbiology and Immunology, I have my Master's in Microbiology and Immunology, and in 2008, God called me to go and make vaccines for a living as a research scientist at the Vaccine Infectious Disease Organization. After that, in 2008, God said, Pon, Eliza, quit your job. So with my young family, we took our family all the way to High River, Alberta, and there I served as a youth and family pastor for approximately four years before God called again at the age of 40 with three kids and said, look, I want you to go to medical school. Now in year 2000, I sacrificed my, uh, my Isaac on the altar and said, God, I give you medicine. And he said, no, no, I want you to do it now. So to God be the glory, in 2011, I was given an unconditional acceptance to the University of Calgary Medical School. I finished my MD degree in 2015, and I came back to Saskatoon, and I served as a, an emergency medicine resident for five years. This law, and I had a very, very patient wife. <laughs> okay. And then after my uh, emergency medicine was almost in my, uh, done to completion, in my fifth year, uh, God said, no, no, I want you to go do family medicine. So I did family medicine, and now I uh, finished finally in January 2022. I serve as an emergency physician in Prince Albert, Humboldt, Meadow Lake, and Rostron because it's a way that I find that I can give back to the communities. However, I also give back to the community where I reside in, which is Saskatoon, as a walk-in uh, doctor at Lakeside Medical Clinic. And this is just purely for the glory of God. It's 
to, to, to God be the glory. You know, it's been 12 years since I've graced any pulpit, so I'm so excited to share God's word to you today. So if there's one thing you know about me, I love God's word. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Hosea 4, 6 says, My people perish because they, they, for a lack of knowledge. And it is my hope to you today that the words of God would just take root in your hearts, that God's Holy Spirit would fall on us today and he would illuminate the scriptures so that the scriptures would bear fruit in your lives. And in my, I, I pray this for my life too. So let's just begin with the title slide of R4. High schoolers, you're not exempt. This is the sermon title for today. It's R4, and we'll unpack it a little bit later. So would you unite your hearts with me as I pray? Father, we come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. It's been a hard week for some people, and we want to unite our hearts with them. We think of the people in Hawaii, specifically in Lahaina, who have lost their loved ones. We pray, O oh God, that your grace would be upon them. And Jesus, we pray for the people in Okanagan, specifically in Kelowna. We pray, O oh God, for rain in that land, in BC, as well as we pray for rain in Yellowknife, where people are displaced. Jesus, may you bring mercy upon them. And may your grace be sufficient for them, Father. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much that we have this awesome privilege to uh, learn together. And I pray, Father, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So our text this morning is Luke 15, 11 to 31. Thank you so much, Brenda, for reading the scriptures to us. For my Filipino friends, ito ang salitang ng Dios. For my Tamil friends, ito katarod avasanam. And for my uh, English friends, speaking friends, this is the word of the Lord. When reading God's word, it's so important to look at the context. Context is everything. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, turn in your Bibles with me to Luke uh, 15, 1 and 2. Who is Jesus speaking to and why is he saying the things he's saying? Who is his audience? In Luke 15, 1 and 2, we, say, we read, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus' audience were the tax collectors and sinners, the dregs of society. They came in droves to hear Jesus' message. This was his primary audience. And keep in mind that these tax collectors and great sinners included lepers, prostitutes, blind, the, just like the dregs of society where no one wanted to associate with. Okay? But there were also other people that were also part of it, which was the religious establishment of the day. The Pharisees, the temple priests, the Sadducees, all the religious orders. And they were like, oh, Jesus, why aren't you associating with us? Why are you associating only with the dregs of society? They were not pleased with Jesus. And Jesus knew what was in their hearts, 
And that is why we have these three parables, okay? In the parable of the lost, and, and these three stories basically display the infinite and unlimited love of God to those in need. Thank you so much. In the lost sheep, the shepherd leaves the 99 and looks for the lost sheep. He finds the wayward sheep and throws a party and says, this joyous celebration is likened to all of heaven rejoicing over the repentance of one sinner. In the lost coin, a woman finds one silver coin that she lost in her house. She searches, she tears her house apart. And soon as she finds it, um, she throws a party. In this story, we find out who the celebrants of heaven are. The angels of God rejoice over the repentance of one sinner. And then we have the parable of the lost son or the lost sons. To unpack this scripture, I'd like to share a brief story with you. And it's in regards to this next slide here, which my friend's going to bring up. Ah, isn't he cute? This is my first dog, okay? This is my first dog. He came to me at the age of uh, six weeks in a shoebox. He was covered in ants, fire ants and fleas. I woke up every night, every, like, a, like, like a, I was his mom and dad, woke up, fed him, removed all the fire ants, de-liced him, de-fleed him, and then took him as a missionary dog to Varanasi, uh, North India, okay? And in North India, it is super hot. Picture this, 45 degrees, burning heat, you can cook an egg on a roof. Bobby was three months, and he would have died had I not had to douse a towel with water and put it on upon him because no, no dog could survive in that heat. But Bobby had benefits too, okay? Um, the, the house that we lived in there had a compound wall, and what a compound wall in India means, it's like a fence, okay? Where Bobby would, was a ferocious watchdog. You'd be able to read people and know that this was a stranger, and he'd, he'd protect us. But that compound wall, that fence for Bobby was also protecting him because he would not go outside, he would stay within the boundaries of the compound wall, that fence. Now, our stint in Varanasi, North India, Benares was over, and then we moved back to Madre, South India. And the place that we lived at was near a graveyard um, where the Hindus would cremate their dead. Um, so, but the interesting thing about this house was it had no compound wall. It had just no compound wall. And Bobby would want to go outside in the night. But I didn't want my dog to go outside in the night. But he would take every opportunity to go outside in the night. So he would look for those opportunities to go out. And do you know what? Bobby became wild. He ran outside. He sired many other Bobbies. There's lots of strays out there. Number two, uh, some, someone caught that joke, very, very good. Um, other, uh, other things that Bobby would do, he would roll himself in the gutter. And I'd spent countless of time cleaning Bobby's filth off of him. He would bring femurs and fibulas to me as gifts from the crematorium. And I'm like, ah, oh, Bobby. And then one day, Bobby just stopped coming. Bobby didn't come. And he became wild. With that, We'll turn to the first R. Number one, the R stands for rebellion. Let's read the scriptures. 
Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. Like Bobby, the younger son had everything going for him. He operated within the confines of the father's house in the bless with the blessing of the father. But he decided to leave it all and said, man, the grass is greener on the other side. Dad, I want you to give me your inheritance while you are alive. This would have blown the Jewish mind, mindset. Saying, how dare a young son asks for his father's inheritance while he's still alive? But the father, in his love, gave the son an inheritance. And then he preemptively took that inheritance, geographically separated himself from his father, and moved to a far-off country. Squandered what was not rightfully his to spend, by loose living, he's probably contracted every single venereal disease out there. From a Jewish context, if you're thinking yourself like you're a Jewish and you've heard the story from Jesus, you would immediately go back to the Ten Commandments. Number one, no other God before me, where the prodigal son used self as his God. Number two, make no graven images. He took the wealth and the wealth became his God and used that wealth to pursue every hedonistic pleasure out there. Number three, honor your father and mother. He dishonored his father and mother by seeking that inheritance. And number four, thou shalt not commit adultery, loose living, right? Lest we castigate the prodigal son, where, we ha where have we rebelled? I look at my own life and I ask myself, where have I rebelled? Where have I chosen to willfully walk away from God's hand of blessing upon my life? and use the things of this world. And church, there are many, 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 many gods out there that we bow ourselves and we pledge allegiance to. Let me list some of, them, some, of, some of them off for you. Wealth, pride, ego, sex, drugs, alcohol, tech, music, false humility, and the list is endless. There are many, 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 many gods out there. Listen to I, 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 as I reflect upon this, I too have willfully chosen disobedience and have rebelled against God when following the instincts and inclinations of my own heart. 2 Kings 17.15 is really, really powerful. I don't want you to forget this. It's, just, it's such a beautiful word. They rejected his decrees and the covenant he made with their ancestors and the statutes he had warned them to keep. They followed worthless idols and themselves became worthless. They imitated the nations around them, although the Lord had ordered them, do not do as they do. The ultimate goal of pursuing hedonism and engaging in selfish desires is becoming worthless. It's physical, spiritual, and moral bankruptcy. Church, we are called to be followers in the world, but not of it. Sadly, in my humble opinion, there is too much of the world in Christ's followers these days. And we are called to live counterculturally. Let's turn to the second R, which is repentance. And I'm, going to, I'm reading from the NIV here, um, Luke 15, 14 to 20. 
After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of the country who sent him out to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with, uh, with what the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to my father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. The second R, three observations from the second R is this. Number one, wealth can never buy true friendship. He had a crowd, he had money, but soon as the money went, the friend's gone. The pursuit of self-directed pleasure ultimately leads to physical, spiritual, and moral bankruptcy. And number three, when arriving at the end of the rope, there is always a choice to be made. When he came to the end of himself after living an insane life, sanity began to take root. There was remorse, regret, and then it, it led to repentance. Keep in mind that repentance means, literally means, turning away from sin. It means behavioral modification. And that is something that he chose to do. He, he repented. There's also another thing, remorse, regret, tears. And I want to just tell you, church, that tears should never be confused with repentance. Because in my own life, there's been remorse, regret, tears, and then the repetitive action again. Remorse, regret, tears, remorse, regret, tears, and never moving forward. But repentance always means a turning away from sin. As I think about my times in the emergency department in Prince Albert, 30 grams of Tylenol, 150 grams of iron, and I wonder, and the, and, and the person's kind of like comatose before me, and I wonder why my patient is like that. What kind of trauma did they encounter to lead them to that moment in their life where they've decided to off it? Because that's what ultimately sin does. Sin's job is to destroy you. And when you come to the end of yourself, you have a choice to make. And some of them choose to end life where some of them seek out. And that's where God comes in and steps in. I just want to say in 1 John 1, 9 is such a beautiful word, and it's just kind of been one of my rocks all throughout my life. It's that, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We live keeping daily accounts with Jesus according to Galatians 5.25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep with, in step with the Spirit. And repentance is never a one-time event. It is perpetual, it is daily, and I love what Tim Keller says. Repentance is the way that we make progress in the Christian life. The third R, redemption and restoration. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, against you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. 
For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they began to celebrate. There is nothing that the lost son could do to be redeemed. He was repentant, but for him to be redeemed, it needed to originate from the heart of the father. The father looks and sees his son in the distance, and what does he do? He runs out to him, and then does he stand there and wait for the son to kind of like, uh, you know, say, no, 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 yeah, yeah, you can serve as a servant in my house. No, he embraces him, and he kisses him, and he redeems him, and he restores him. The Oxford Dictionary Online defines redemption as the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. The Lord Jesus is the payment for our redemption. In Colossians 1.13 and 1 Corinthians 6.19 and 20, we, we read, God has saved us from the kingdom of darkness. God has brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Not only that, the lost son is redeemed. The lost son is restored from physical, spiritual, and moral bankruptcy to complete restoration. Church, I don't want you to miss this. You know, the tattered clothes that he came and saw his father with, his father gave him a new robe. Number two, the father gave him a ring. And back in those days, according to a Jewish context, it's a signet ring, means that, hey, this is authority, this is my son. And last but not least, gave him sandals. Because servants back in those days, uh, on, and any commentary will tell you, the servants were just like, wore around just like uh, in bare feet. The father gave him his sandals back. What does this mean for us? We have rebelled against God, and when we repent, God not only redeems us, but he also restores us. Believe it or not, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And church, I don't want you to miss this. When we are restored, there are three things that God also gives us. Number one, our tattered robes of self-righteousness are replaced with the righteousness of Christ. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Number two, we walk and dispense Christ's authority, and that's our signet ring. We are called to make disciples. We are called to set people free. We are called to speak life into people. We are we are called to move mountains through our prayers. We are called to release God's blessing here on earth. And we are also called to bind the enemy. So those are all things that God has for his children. And last but not least, we also have sandals fitted with a gospel of peace, which is Ephesians 6.15, which is the good news that we can proclaim to others. And this is all as a result of a life that is restored and redeemed. And it comes from God and not from ourselves, and I'm not hearing an amen. Thank you. Last but not least, the last R, self-righteousness. Luke 15, 25 to 32. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him, what was going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he is, has him back safe and sound. 
the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. All throughout my life, when I've read the story, my heart felt for the son, for the older son. You know, it speaks volumes that number one, he did not have a connection with his father. He went and called a hired hand to find out what was going on rather than going to his father directly. That speaks to me that he did not have a relationship with his father, number one. Number two, when he talked to the servant, the, the, the servant would say, oh yeah, you know what, your brother's come home. Okay, he could take that. Oh yeah, your bro your, your, not only that, your, your, your dad has kind of removed all his clothes and he's given him new clothes. He's also given him a new ring and he's put sandals on his feet. The son was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can see the redness start creeping up in his face. Oh yeah, remember that steer that you took care of? Well, your dad butchered that steer and now he's throwing a feast. And like the older son would have completely lost it and say, wow, I cannot believe that the father did all this. The point is, slaving for the father, working for the father, doing things for the father, duty without any connection or relationship with the father. Maybe the religious establishment failed to understand that they were the older sons in the parable. They dutifully obeyed God's laws without having his heart. They did not celebrate the repentance of their Jewish brothers and sisters, the lepers, the blind, the demon-possessed, the tax collectors, and the prostitutes. The hardness of heart, legalistic rules, and lack of truly knowing God resulted in spiritual blindness to see that they too were equally lost. They visibly saw the repentance of sinners, and yet their own self-righteousness and legalism pre prevented them from seeing that they too needed to repent. What about me? And I ask myself, how often have I stood in judgment of another brother or sister? Judging lifestyle, judging associations, judging behaviors, dress, music, music, movies, music, etc. And they call themselves a Christ follower. Using God's word to justify my own righteousness as opposed to God's righteousness. Losing connection with my father. Make no mistake, Isaiah 64, 6 says, we are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. I often find myself repenting of my own perpetual self-righteousness so that I can have my Father's heart. Let's recap. Rebellion, repentance, redemption, restoration, and self-righteousness. Rebellion, we wander away from God's hand. God's kindness prevents us or from being off when we are rebelling before him. And he draws us into a repentance, which means a turning away from sin, which means a behavior modification. And then God redeems us and God restores us because we are in Christ. But not only that, when we are in Christ, we have that kind of like that pull towards self-righteousness. 
Church, how then should we live? And I want to close with this slide. Sometimes you just don't know, you just don't never know where people are at. Today, you might be like, man, it's really, really hard, Pawn. Like, I'm at the wit's end. I can't go on. And, you know, I just want to end my life. And that's so many of my patients kind of come in there with, my ment with mental health kind of conditions, and they, and they really want to off themselves and end, end their life. Well, you know what? This is good news. Jesus is here for you, and Jesus is running to see you and wants to embrace you, and you can have that. You know, but most likely in this sense, sometimes I am the younger brother, willfully choosing to wander from the Father's hand, pursuing the gods of this world, gods that cannot satisfy. It is purely God's grace that I do not die in my sin. It is the kindness of God that draws us into repentance, and repentance occurs when I've come to the end of myself. The Spirit of God gently draws us back into repentance. It is always accompanied by action, a turning away from sin, and God the Father is always wanting to accept me with open arms. But make no mistake, there's a dichotomy here. Sometimes I am the older brother. When life is good and there are no speed bumps, I often rely upon my own strength and I'm quick to become self-righteous. I lack the Father's heart because of my own pride and I become critical of my brothers and sisters. And The Spirit convicts me of my judgmental and critical spirit. Thus, being the younger son one day and the older brother the next, life is lived in perpetual repentance so that I can recognize that God has redeemed me and has restored me and I am a child of God. Let us pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. It says in your word, Father, that your word would go out and it will not return back void. I pray for your people here this morning who, and online who have heard your word. I pray, Father, that it would take root and bear much fruit in their lives. Father, thank you. Thank you that we are redeemed, we are restored, and we are your children. And thank you for the fire alarm. In, in Jesus' name, amen.